Welcome to all you joining us for this online service from Grace Point. I'm just delighted that you're with us. Can you believe we're into week five of this pandemic of COVID-19? It's just hard to imagine that life could change this quickly. If you would have come to me just a few months ago and said, hey, in a few months, you're going to have this quarantine thing going on, this COVID-19 pandemic going on, I would have looked at you like a deer in the headlights and said, what? It's just unimaginable uh, what we're going through right now. I want to ask you a couple questions when it comes to uh, this whole COVID-19 thing. How are you doing? My hope is that you're not thinking, I'm just going to survive through this and then get back to life as normal. I'm hoping that you're asking some questions like, God, what do you want me to learn through this thing? How do you want to transform my soul? Maybe you want me to change some priorities and maybe you want me to do some different kinds of things. I, I pray that this is a transformative event for you, not an event that just frustrates you and sets you back on your heels. We're going to continue our Why series that we've been doing this Easter season. And once again, today we're going to look into a question uh, that that's got to do with the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and it's got this nature of why to it. And what we want to ask is, why could Jesus choose the nails? But before we get into that anymore, I want to do a quick review with you that's very important for helping the message uh, to be set up. First of all, I hope we have two outcomes that happen once again today from this message, as well as been the case in all the messages in this Easter series. First of all, that you understand some whys of your Christian faith with more clarity and more conviction. My hope is that all of you online will become more decided in your faith and more convictional in living it out. Second thing I hope transpires is this, that you're emboldened and equipped to answer for the reason of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. We're going to get opportunities, and maybe more so now that we're in the midst of something like COVID-19, of people asking us why we have a different demeanor, why we are taking this thing more in stride. And my prayer is that you are emboldened and equipped by the series that we're going through right now to answer such questions with this great joy on your heart that, you know, Jesus is above everything that we're going through. We began this series uh, uh, on Palm Sunday. And on that particular day, we asked the question, why was the cross necessary? I'm going to do a super quick review of that message because in part, it also answers the question that we're addressing today. Why could Jesus choose the nails? We saw in that message that God is holy. And as a holy God, he can't be in fellowship, in communion with an unholy people. So when sin entered into the human existence, a wall of separation took place between God and fallen humanity. He simply, in his holiness, could not commune, could not be in relationship with a, a sinful, unholy people. And we know this is a universal problem. Romans 3.23 tells us this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so to make this point really evident to you, I use this example of a lava lamp, which I hope kind of sticks with you. But in a lava lamp, there's water and there's oil. 
the two don't mix together. They both have slightly different colors as evidenced by this lava lamp here. And the principle of a lava lamp is super simple. You heat this up and the oil percolates in the water, but they don't mix together because the two liquids are incompatible. Well, when it comes to God and fallen humanity, the natures were incompatible. They're just, they couldn't mix together. And so God came up with a plan and it was this. He wanted to make a way for us to have a new nature. And he had this plan since the creation of the world. And that would be that Jesus would come and be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's why the cross is necessary. So that we could become a holy people and be in relationship with a holy God. So why was the cross necessary? People need a holy nature to be able to commune with a holy God. And that's the reason why the cross was necessary. Hebrews 12, 14 says that without holiness, no one will see God. Hebrews 10.10 says that it was by the sacrifice of Jesus that those who were formerly unholy were made holy once for all. This whole discussion I just had with you on the why of the cross is also part of the reasoning, part of the answer to why Jesus could choose the nails, why he could go to the crucifixion, because he knew that by going to the cross that he would redeem, follow mankind, and we could be in relationship with God the Father once again. It says in the Bible, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the suffering of the cross. And so that is part of the answer to why was Jesus able to choose the nails, but it's not the entire answer because the decision was still tremendously hard. And if we're not careful, what we can do is we can kind of minimize away the difficulty, the trial, the anguish that Jesus experienced in making this decision to go to the cross because he was fully human as well as fully God. And the fully human part of him was going to experience tremendous amount of agony and pain and suffering on that cross. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in that message, uh, why the cross was necessary, uh, the Passion of the Christ movie really illustrates the suffering that Christ went through. It was brutal and it was painful and it was a hard decision to embrace. So if this decision and this struggle is unintentionally minimized by us by saying, well, you know, after all, Jesus is God, so that's why he went to the cross, and we kind of minimize the struggle that he went through to come to that place of, of utter obedience uh, to God, then we're going to miss out on some very insightful uh, learning of how to deal with tremendously hard trials in our own lives. And I don't want us to miss out on that. And so today, part of, our, of the message purpose here is to make sure that we address some of that side of why Jesus could choose the nails. It's so insightful and so relevant for the times we're living in right now. In our reading this morning that we're going to use as our text, we're going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Christ is crucified. And we're going to see there that he pours himself out to God the Father in this just heartfelt prayer and came out of the other side of this, of course, obedient. So I'm going to read now for you Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 44. This is the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And from this, we're going to begin to kind of unpackage why Jesus could choose the nails. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there 
and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and they began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for an hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. It's obvious from this reading that Jesus is in this deep distress and he's troubled over his immediate future. And I call this the conflict that he faced. We often face a conflict in our lives. And if we're going to really understand and examine why Jesus was able to choose the nails, why he could go to the cross, it has to go beyond this, you know, big picture of, well, it was God's way of redeeming mankind um, to himself. And of course, that's incredibly important. But we also have to drill down and realize that this was no easy thing for Jesus to decide to do. He had a real battle waging in his heart. And he'd gone to one of his favorite places to pray, to Gethsemane, that was the lower slopes of the Mount of Olives. Do you have a favorite place that you go to to pray? Do you like to sit in a recliner? Do you like to uh, get out in nature? Do you like to go uh, to a, a quiet room? Do you like to have some soft background music? Um, do you have a favorite place that you can get real with God and pray? Because that's what Christ was doing here. That's what Jesus was doing. He was going to Gethsemane and he was getting real with God and he poured his heart out to God. And here's the conflict that he was experiencing. At Gethsemane, Jesus felt the agony of anticipation of suffering. Did you hear that? At Gethsemane, Jesus experienced the agony of the anticipation of suffering. And the Gospels of Mark and Luke give us further validation and insight on this agony of anticipation that Jesus was experiencing. Mark 14 34 says, just like what we read in Matthew, Jesus' soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then we go to Luke chapter 22, verse 44, and we're told that Jesus was in such anguish that he prayed more earnestly and his sweat were like drops of blood falling to the ground. This going to the cross was a hard thing for Jesus to do. And he experienced the agony of anticipation of suffering. This is one of the hardest things he would ever have to do in his life. It was a hard act of obedience. We know this act of obedience by Jesus was wonderful. It was the greatest act in the history of humanity. It was this redemptive act that has saved so many who have put their faith in him. But Jesus going to the cross 
was a hard thing. I want us to kind of enter into the experience now and kind of engage with the experience. Think on this with me. We all have our Gethsemane. We will experience a situation, a moment of deep testing, of deep trial, where the will of God must win out. What's testing you to the core of your being right now? Is it this COVID-19? Do you feel the anxiousness, this continuous threat of possible infection? Is it causing you some stress? For some of us right now, the trial we're going through is being laid off or having our business shut down or being on furlough or whatever the terminology is that's being used. But it's a stoppage of what was normal before and having to deal with some unusual kinds of situations. And for some of us right now, the Gethsemane that we're going through is this social distancing thing. And maybe you're single or, or a widowed or whatever be the case. And you're just feeling like your whole support group has kind of been pulled away from you and you're lonely. You're, you're missing people that you love and like to hang out with. Do you have an issue, a Gethsemane, where you sweat like drops of blood, that it just causes you to have anguish of the soul. I've had some moments like this in my life. I think of a year ago when I was continuing to have some cardiovascular work done and I went in to have uh, my carotid artery worked on and have surgery on it. And I had several people tell me, hey, it wasn't that big a deal, you'll be fine. But I found myself at 2 a.m. that morning the morning of the surgery, wide awake and just nervous and anxious about what was going to transpire. And I had a Gethsemane moment with God where I just cried out and said, God, you know, I'm trusting you with this thing and calling on your name and, and poured out my concerns uh, to him in that Gethsemane moment. I've had several of you say to me that this COVID-19 thing has driven you, driven you to your knees a lot more where you've prayed with a lot more um, earnestness and a lot more urgency. That's what Gethsemane does to us. It drives us to our knees. It drives us to dependency on God. All self-sufficiency and the illusion of that is gone and we see our need of God. And I want us to consider just for a few moments some characteristics of Gethsemane. And we're going to use the example of our Lord Jesus. The first one I want to, to talk with you about is this. Often your Gethsemane is faced alone. In Gethsemane, Jesus experienced the loneliness of the agony of anticipation of suffering. When he went to his disciples, who he asked to keep watch and pray with them, when he went to them, they were asleep. They were oblivious to the moment. I mean, I'm sure that was super disappointing to him. Here he is having this great moment uh, of agony, of anticipation of the suffering he's about to face and his disciples who he'd poured his life into were sleeping and missing the moment entirely. At times in your life, you're going to have to face your Gethsemane alone. Sure, you're going to have support from ones who love you. They're going to pray for you. They may encourage you. They might empathize with you. But ultimately, my friend, listen, there will be a Gethsemane moment in your life where it's you and God. 
And you have to be willing just to pour out your heart to him and cry to him to sustain you and to keep you and cry out to him for you to maintain your faithfulness to him and be uh, obedient to his will for your life. Second thing we see here with Jesus' example in Gethsemane is this. At Gethsemane, you're often challenged with the question, do I obey God? Jesus stood fast in the Father's will. He did not want the cross. He did not want this cup of suffering, but he wanted his Father's will, and that prevailed over his emotions and his distress. Not my will be done, but your will be done was his conclusion at Gethsemane. At Gethsemane, you're often challenged with the question, do I obey God? Third thing we see from the example of Jesus is this, the third thing. Your Gethsemane is frequently the place of deepest trial in your life. The name Gethsemane means oil press. And what they would do at this location is they would take the olives from the trees in that area and they would put them into an olive press which exerted great pressure on the olive and squeezed the oil out of it. So the name Gethsemane means oil press. It's a fitting name for the prayer that Jesus is experiencing because he's being pressed by his trial. And what's flowing out of Christ is this wonderful, deeper dependency on God and this humble, humble attitude, which we'll get into in just a moment. But I want to further talk with you for just a moment on on this idea that our Gethsemane will press us to the point where some things flow out of us. I have here by me a couple of devices that work on the principle of pressure um, to extract juices. This is a Victorian um, strainer. Actually, it's a Victoria strainer. (laughs) I should remember that because that's my wife's name. But at any rate, it's really cool. You, you can make great applesauce with it. You boil the apples. and you, 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 First of all, you core them, you boil them, and you put them all into this funnel, and you use this little thing to push them down into the chute. And it goes into this little auger that you turn by hand here. And as you turn it, it squeezes the apples into this little chute that's a wire mesh chute with the auger in the middle of it. And it presses the apples uh, the good part of the apples out this little chute into um, a pan and you get this wonderful applesauce and all the stem and the seed and the peels come out of this part. But it works by pressure. If the apples are in here, they're squished and out comes the product of applesauce. I also have right here, right now, this juicer. This juicer. And I don't know if any of you have a juicer at home, but if you have a slice of fruit like I uh, asked Dave to announce about this morning, uh, before the, or to announce about before this message, um, I would encourage you to grab that, that slice of, of fruit right now and do this with me. Uh, take it, and your kids will love to do this, so have them engaged, but take, take your fruit, and, um, and I'm taking my half orange, I'm putting it on this little, this little uh, you know, orange juicer, and just have your kid, they can just squish it with their hands, and as you squish this, of course, all this nice nice juice flows out that makes this wonderful thing uh, to drink, this wonderful orange juice uh, to drink. But your kids can just take this and just squeeze the juice out of it like that. Um, It'd be a good little experience for them. Um, And what I want you to think about with me just for a moment here is, is this. When I put my apples in this strainer, what comes out 
is apple juice, apple cider. When I, when I you know, juice my, my orange, what comes out then, of course, is orange juice. And, and what, what a, a Gethsemane tends to do for us is it tends to pressure out of us, to press out of us what's naturally kind of inside of us. So if you're going through this COVID-19 situation and you find yourself really angry and frustrated and full of anxiety and stuff, partly what's going on there is the, 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 the Gethsemane of the COVID-19 thing is pushing out of you what's really inside of you. And it's an opportunity for you to go, oh, oh, I maybe need to deal with this and I maybe need to let the peace of God reign in my heart and, and be able to rest in God and, I'm, and what needs to be pushing out of me at this time is a greater dependency on God and a greater trust in God than ever. And it can be a good time of soul revelation and soul searching. Uh, and then Gethsemane has that, that, that benefit. So when we go through this COVID-19 thing, that's why I said earlier on in the message, don't just try to survive it. Don't just try to get through it and get back to whatever life was before Try to let it do a transformative work in your life because what it tends to squeeze out of you is what's in you. And hopefully what comes out of us is nice orange juice. The things of God comes out of us, so to speak. And that's what we see uh, happen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But I, I, I want us to understand that this this Gethsemane thing is hard and it'll be a place of deepest trials. And oftentimes what really makes them hard is when you have to watch your kid go through a Gethsemane uh, moment. I remember on several occasions that our kids would have um, some kids who rejected them when they were young, real young. And man, that was hard to watch as a parent. And I remember trying to comfort them and counsel them and help them to understand what was going on. But ultimately, what I always tried to direct them back to was this. I would say, honey, you need to find your identity in Jesus Christ because you can't be dependent on people and what they think of you to determine who you are. You are who you are because of Jesus in you, not because of what others think of you or, or, or that kind of thing. But it was so hard to watch this. But I knew that if they handled their Gethsemane right, if it pressed them into identity in Jesus Christ, then the outcome of that particular moment of being pressed would be really good. And we're told that God works all things for good, meaning he works all things for conformity to the character of Jesus Christ for those who love him are called according to his purpose. And so I try to use that kind of hard Gethsemane moment in my kid's life uh, to direct them to their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I see here in Jesus' case, and often is the case for us, is that there's this agony of anticipation of a dreadful thing that's just part of this process of feeling pressed, of feeling like you're just going through something really, really difficult. And anticipation is really, really a powerful thing. It can be just a wonderful thing or it can be 100% disabling. Uh, a young five-year-old boy had a love for motorcycles. And whenever he saw one, he would howl and jump with joy and had all kinds of Animated remarks like, look at that, look at that. When I get older, I'm going to get a motorcycle someday. And his father would overhear him saying this, and he would say to his young son, not as long as I'm alive. You're never getting a motorcycle. And one day, the boy was walking with a friend, and this brand new motorcycle came zooming by. It was just beautiful. And he said, look at that. 
Look at that. I'm going to get one of those as soon as my dad dies. Anticipation can be a wonderful thing, but anticipation can also be very disabling. Jesus was experiencing that agony of anticipation of a dreadful thing that lie ahead. And that's terribly hard. And we learn so much about what got pressed out of Jesus, what came out of him in that Gethsemane moment that's so applicable uh, to our lives. And we understand why he could choose the nails by about what I'm to share with you, why, in addition to the other things I've already shared thus far, why he could choose the nails and why he could march towards crucifixion. So let's talk for a couple moments about Jesus' response in Gethsemane. The Gethsemane experience drove Jesus to a greater dependency on God, enabling him to choose the nails. What oozed out of his life as he was pressed by this trial in Gethsemane was greater dependency on God. I find it fascinating that Luke chapter 22 verse 44 tells us this, that when Jesus was in the moment of this distress, that he prayed even more earnestly. I find that fascinating language because after all, Jesus authored the Lord's prayer. Jesus prayed with the Father all the time. He was in perfect communion with the Father. Yet in this moment of great distress, in this moment where he's driven to this greater dependency on God, we're told he prayed with more earnestness. And that kind of blows my mind to even think about this. I want to tell you something, beloved. You are handling your Gethsemane correctly if it's driving you to greater dependency on God. It's one of those markers. It's one of those indices. I'm handling this thing I'm going through correctly if it's driving me to greater dependency on God. So you're handling the COVID-19 whole scenario rightly, if it's driving you to greater dependency on God. Something else is seen in Jesus' response in Gethsemane. I want to touch on this. Jesus had this posture of humility that enabled him to embrace God's will and choose then the nails, choose to go to the cross. We're told he literally fell on his face before God and he prayed, Father, not my will be done but your will be done. It was this utter posture of humility as he kneeled before God, as he laid down his face before God. And I find it fascinating. Here we have the Son of God, God himself, kneeling before God the Father in this total posture of humility. And I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 2, where we're told Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself Nothing, becoming a servant, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility, my friends, is absolutely essential, essential for you to embrace the will uh, of God. A cowboy ambled into a blacksmith shop one day. And he noticed a horseshoe laying over there and he grabbed it and not realizing it had just come out of the forge. He quickly threw it back in the pile, took his seared hand and shoved it into his pocket kind of nonchalantly. While all this is going on, the blacksmith has this little smile on his face and he looks at the cowboy and he says, kind of hot, huh? And the cowboy says, oh no, no, that wasn't hot. It just doesn't take me long to look at a horseshoe. And I think sometimes we're like that cowboy. We are in the middle of a Gethsemane. We're seared a little bit. Things are kind of tough. And then this kind of pride thing wells up within us. This self 
sufficiency thing wells up in us. We don't want anyone to see that we're weak or that we're going through a tough moment. And the pride gets the better of us. And I'm telling you, during your Gethsemane, no matter what you're going through, if you allow it to drive you to greater dependency in God, if you take this posture like Jesus took of other humility, that will enable you to embrace God's will, then you're going to come out the other side of that Gethsemane and what's going to be pressed out of you is going to be the sweet character of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's going to come out of you is Christ's likeness. And I'm so grateful that Jesus had that Gethsemane experienced and that was shared with us. Think about the outcome of Jesus' Gethsemane. He came out more dependent than ever on God's plan of crucifixion. He came out with this posture of humility that enabled him to embrace this will of God for his life. He went willingly to the cross and he died for our sins and he atoned for us. And look at the lives that have been changed because Jesus rightly handled this Gethsemane. And I want to tell you, we won't like our Gethsemane. We won't. But praise be to God, a Gethsemane handled rightly becomes a powerful tool of transformation that can drastically change your life. I want to encourage you, if you want to continue to look more into this subject matter, to go to the media section of our webpage and go to the bulletin for today and find the note guide and then uh, do some discipling with your spouse or with your children using the section of the note guide called Together at Home, Discipling with Family and Friends. I encourage you just to continue to do that and have some conversations of, of a more personal nature with somebody about some of the things that we covered in this message. Would you bow your head now and I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. Um, Jesus, I don't know how to thank you enough for choosing the nails. I'm so grateful for your steadfastness and faithfulness to God the Father. I want to thank you today specifically, Jesus, for your example in the Garden of Gethsemane, how you were driven to greater dependency on on God and how you had this posture of humility that just enabled you to embrace God's will. I pray that we would see that in our Gethsemanes, no matter what they are, whether it just be a general COVID-19 kind of thing, whether it be a specific thing we're going through, whether it be the loss of a loved one, whether it be, you know, just, uh, you know, a, a job that's no more, whatever it be the thing that we're facing right now. I just pray, Lord, that no matter what it is, that, that we would be driven to greater dependency on you, God, and that, uh, that we just have this posture of humility, that we would be willing to just... Uh, you know, embrace your will for our lives, Lord, with this humility. And I, I know when we do that, Jesus, we look a lot like you. And then this Gethsemane thing, what is squeezing out of us, looks like you, Jesus. It's the sweet character of you coming out in us. And that's what we pray happens. Lord, I pray that happens in the lives of, of so many of our people. Lord, I've been so grateful for so many testimonies from Grace Point people to me when I've talked to them about maybe our business being uh, restricted or being laid off or going through some tough uh, situation. Multiple, multiple times I've heard from Grace Point people say to me, 
You know, I'm going to be okay. God's bigger than this, and I'm staying fast in God. And man, that's blessed my heart just to hear so many people say that to me. So I, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for the people of Grace Point, for the people listening online here. I just thank you, God. I pray you, Holy Spirit, fill them and equip them to stand fast no matter what they're going through during these times that are so uncertain and full of anxiety. May we cling to you more than ever, Lord Jesus, and we plead the blood of Christ over all the situation that's going on around us. We pray for our leadership to be wise. We pray for them to make insightful, uh, wise decisions. We pray for people who are suffering right now, who are feeling some of the effects of, of COVID-19 so so uh, real right now. Would you be their God and would you be their ever-present help? I got, God, I just pray for all of us that we would, uh, Lord, be pressed into you in these times and look more like you. I pray these things all in your name and by your blood, Jesus. Amen.